0: Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Okay, I am so excited for this video. I just kind of wanted the gut health series to just end so I can share this video, but wow, I... um, I found this doctor. She is amazing. She focuses on thyroid health, hormone health, and how to naturally heal women on a meat-based diet. So I am very excited for you guys to watch this video. I literally grabbed all the questions I could think of that always come up with a meat-based diet and the fears of not having enough carbohydrates for thyroid health, for menopause, for amenorrhea, anything and everything to do with what causes us to have use of adrenals and cortisol and why our uh, hormones just start kind of breaking down. So I am so excited for you guys to watch this. Please make sure to watch this through the whole video. You will get so much insight and I am putting zero ads in the video so that you can just watch it in one go and that you can learn so much about it and the importance of fat and why a meat-based diet can actually heal you from thyroid and hormone health and get you back to optimal health. All right, let's get right into it. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy, and today I am very excited. I have with me Dr. Elizabeth Bright. She is everything to do with thyroid health, hormonal health, and much more. So, Dr. Elizabeth, for those that don't know you, if you can sort of just introduce yourself.
1: Hi, well, I'm an osteopath practicing and living in Italy, and I um, went back to school to study naturopathy because I saw so many women with the same somatic issues. Dowridge's hump, we call it buffalo hump in Italy, inflammation, joint pain that my treatments weren't getting rid of. I was able to reduce inflammation with my um, techniques, but I realized it had to be something else other than misalignment and overuse. So I went back to school and I fell in love with, I specialized in naturopathic endocrinology and that just sort of opened up a whole new world for me. So let's just dive
0: right into it. Uh, you know, I follow a meat based diet. Most of my community does. And so lately, I've noticed that there's sort of been this fear about we need carbohydrates for hormonal health. If our insulin gets too low, then we don't produce enough insulin. And then we need insulin to support thyroid conversions um, from T4 to T3. Uh, like my, for example, my T3 is lower on a carnivore diet, but my TSH, T4 are normal levels. I think I'm healthy. I have my period every month. I still nurse my four-and-a-half-year-old son. So even though my T3 is low, I feel great. So um, if you can just talk a little bit about, do we need carbs for hormonal health?
1: Well, I don't think we need carbs at all for hormonal health. We developed our hormones. We evolved. Thyroid hormone is one of the first hormones that, that we evolved to have, and I don't think we're, this is way before we invented agriculture. So, uh, yeah, I've heard about the T3 going down. Um, it's, it's synthesized from tyrosine, which is an amino acid. So thyroid hormones need iron, zinc, magnesium. They don't need carbs. Um, it's synthesized in the liver and the kidneys and peripheral tissue, the the brain has its own T3 receptors. There are actually several thyroid hormones. There's actually T1 and T2, which are each synthesized from T4, then T3, then T2, then T1. We don't really know what... We kind of have an idea about T2, but not so much about T1 right now. But um, no, you don't need carbs to make thyroid hormone. You don't need carbs to make steroid hormones, They're made from, uh, you saw you put up uh, the hormone cascade, which is something I always have to drill into my patients. Um, They are derived from cholesterol. So um, there may be a, we need T3 hormones for lipolysis. We need t T3 to break down fat. I recommend a high-fat diet, no-carb, low-carb, high-fat diet. Perhaps they go down because you're using them more to break down more fat molecules than you do for you know breaking down carbs but no i don't think this is should be an issue at all
0: yeah and i agree i think um what i also i talked with dr jamie seaman a while ago and she also brought up that you know there's a chance that we just have more circulating um, t3 in our peripheral tissues and that's not something that we are also checking and so Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's that as long as we feel fine that it's not a you know issue that we are not eating carbohydrates so then you know for some of the women then why are they losing their period on carnivore or their hormonal health like their hair may be falling out uh, they're not sleeping through the night now they just are wide awake at night they just have poor sleep uh, energy is really low so what are the
1: reasons then why this is happening well you have to look at why they Are changing their diet, why they went to carnivore in the first place for their health, right? So maybe these things, the carnivore diet didn't improve all of the symptoms that they were looking to improve. Um, I see a lot of overtraining. I see a lot of fasting. Um, I don't recommend fasting for women. I know it has its therapeutic values. But to me, fasting is just is not eating carbs. Uh, And used to be the medical uh, industry called fasting when you weren't eating carbs, because they didn't really think of fat as a nutrient, because fat may be fat. So, of course, I think doctors are tiptoeing around fat. Um, They may be recommending fasting and not saying that you need to eat more fat when you do fast. When you remove carbs, you have to give yourself the energy. It's hard for us to make energy out of protein. We need to make it from something. If you take out the carbs, you're not putting in a lot of fat. Where are you going to get your energy? And fasting, fasting will increase cortisol levels. Yes, it will, because any kind of stress will what you're trying to achieve, maybe that's not the right thing. I'm not saying that these people are fasting necessarily, but I see a lot of that.
0: I also see a lot of under eating. So, you know, as you said, I think there is still the stigma of fear of fat, right? So even in the keto carnivore space, I see that there are people that believe, hey, if you have fat on your body, you don't need to eat excess fat, and I think that may work for men, but for women, especially if you right. have metabolic disease, I don't think the whole gluconeogenesis is the only way you should be getting energy. I think it's, you know, insufficient or inefficient too. But there are a lot of people that say, you know, do that kind of proteins modified fasting where you eat more lean meat and then you can just have like one day of eating a higher fat. Um, meat diet but in general you can just kind of get really lean by eating a ton of protein and there are many advocates for that but it seems to not work for women right because of the hormones if
1: <laughs> yeah no, let's, let's talk about lean why are you getting so lean anyway we need a hormonal reserve um i would like to be agile slender but i don't want to be lean because where am i where are my stress hormones going to be deposited where are they going to be there for me when I need it, when, I don't know, I have to run from a tiger. I have to run from a car. I have to move quickly because something is happening. All these, these hormones come from a small amount of fat that has to be covering your body. We're not there just to have muscle because, I mean, if you look at the people who survive in the wild, they're going to have to have a little bit of fat. They can't just be lean, lean muscle tissue in a perfect world or in, in a world where they don't have to deal with stress. Um, I do tell my patients that if they could go to an island and not have any kind of stress or, or work, just have someone ban them and they uh, pick fish out of the water, maybe they need less fat. But I think in our, today's society, we definitely need fat, not just for thermogenesis, but also for making those stress hormones, making those steroid hormones from which... They they're all derived from fat.
0: Because one thing I can imagine some of the viewers thinking is, well, I have like 50 pounds. I'm sure it's not that much amount of fat I need to keep on my body to, you know, maintain my hormone levels. Or I still have that amount of fat and I still have messed up hormones. So, one of the things I see is just chronic dieting. So some of the women maybe they were eating like 11, 1200 calories their whole lifetime, and now they're in their 50s, 60s, and now they're eating meat based and maybe they're not gaining weight, or but they're not really losing that kind of last 50 pounds. Some people, it's even a little bit more than that. But then their mm-hmm. hormones seem to be affected. So again, low energy, loss of hair. So what should they do to kind of break out of that then if they're sort of in that
1: kind of state? Well, in my book, I talk about loading on the fat in the beginning, because what you're doing, if you have loss of hair, I would also have to look at thyroid function. Um, skin, thyroid function, it's often overlooked because the parameters are so messed up. The labs are not going to show you really what you're looking for, for function. They're looking for disease and not looking for function, optimal function. The other thing is that if you've been dieting for many years, you you have, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the reset, the clock, the thyroid hormones don't come back to, to normal. They, the T3 doesn't, not immediately. I mean, it will eventually. And the way you do that is by increasing fat for a certain amount of time until your body is not adrenally stressed because your body thinks that you're in danger. If you've been under under eating for a long time, your body thinks you're in danger. That will. I mean, hormones are driven by the thyroid hormones and driven by the central nervous system. The catecholamines, uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine. These are the things that stimulate thyroid hormone production. So, if these neurotransmitters are out of whack and you've been stressed for a long time. Your body's not going to feel at ease in order to let that weight go because it's really keeping it on for, yeah, maybe you may think that it's too much for to deal with stress, but your body doesn't really know that because it's been dealing with this for years. And I usually recommend trying to balance this, address stress and adrenal function by eating fat for some amount of time until your body feels relaxed enough to let the weight and the water go.
0: What about the thought that, you know, people say, well, then low carbohydrates or no carbohydrates is also a stressor on the body, right? So that'll kind of force some of the gluconeogenesis to happen to make some of the glucose we need in our brains and the other, you know, the very small areas that actually need need glucose. So why not just consume sugar and just be a less cortisol tax on the body? I mean, is there any merit to that? Um, You know, what have you seen in kind of your practice? Well,
1: I don't... I personally don't find any merit in that. Um, gluconeogenesis is going on all the time, as we know, for the few parts of the body that do need it, do need the glucose. Um, Low-carb, low high-fat is not a stress in the body. All the, all the studies that were done on seeing thyroid hormone go down were done in the 70s and 80s, and they were all starvation diets. There was one study, McCarger, in 1980, in 88, I think, um, or 85, that actually did a high-fat, low-fat diet, and the high-fat um, diet on those people involved did not. The T3 hormone did not go down; it was not reduced. And all the other studies were using 800 calorie, 600 calorie um, diets, so you can't really say that T3 goes down without carbs. They actually added in um, 75 grams of carb carbs in one study, and the T3 did not improve thyroid disease,
0: and hormonal health, um, being an issue is more rampant now than ever. And most of these people aren't eating carbs. And so I just, it's it's interesting, right? So, so like a paleo diet, they eat pretty low carb, it's not fully uh, no carbs, but they eat still like a lot of dried fruit, they still eat fruit, they eat nuts, and a lot of them still have like, low thyroid, right? So I just don't see the logic where people are like, you have to eat the carbs and that's what will heal your hormones. Because again, like you're saying it's, I feel like it's so much people under eat on carnivore or that they're eating too little fat. So, you know, actually that makes me think, um, when you say high fat, like what do you mean by
1: that? Well, yeah, I, my, my, uh, model in my book is uh, net weight in, uh, um, your weight in, in kilos. Cause I do live in Europe and, um, Get your net protein, one gram of protein per kilo of body weight times three. Oh, okay. So I think that's like
0: 70% fat, then, right?
1: Is that? 75 80, to 80 to 20 oh, okay. fat or 70 to 30. Um, if you're more hungry, you're going to need the 80 to 20. And if you're uh, in a day that's very stressful, you need more. And a day that's not stressful, you need less. But I keep it around the 70, 30, 80, 20 fat to protein ratio for a time. Most people stick with it. Most of my patients are women, so they do stick with it. Um, We're not talking about, I also just wanted to say that um, carbs are inflammatory. So, I mean, I think orange juice and Coca-Cola is inflammatory. So I don't see how that isn't creating stress on the body. Yeah, we metabolize it immediately, but that metabolism Is destructive we know that that's why ketones are less destructive eating fat is less the whole the whole metabolism is it's you know here we have kids going around with scooters diesel scooters and they go around you can't breathe when they're riding down the block because it's such dirty um dirty gas dirty energy and something a higher form of fuel is cleaner, there's less uh, damage caused by metabolizing it. And that's really what I see is carbs versus fat, you have to one or the other. What about the women,
0: because I'm just trying to think of, you know, these questions that the followers um, will kind of ask. And one thing I know that people will say is, well, I can't tolerate 70% fat, right. And this is where I kind of focus in on gut health. But they'll say if they consume, Absolutely.
1: absolutely, absolutely. So absorbing all that fat is an issue with some people. Yes. Um, most women, one of the most common surgeries in the U.S. is gallbladder removal. Hmm. i a lot of the women I treat in Italy who are in their 60s don't have a gallbladder. they' they lost they lost their gallbladders because they stopped eating fat since they were 15. Um, your body forget your gallbladder is a muscle. It has to it has to move. It has to it loses its its muscle tone if you never give it fat. If you never eat fat, you're not going to your gallbladder is not going to be doing anything liver does produce a small amount of bile, but we need the the repository of bile that's in the gallbladder. And if the gallbladder hasn't been doing it for years and you don't have a gallbladder, you're going to have difficulty emulsifying the fat in the beginning. I do recommend ox bile for these cases. Um, it's like the only supplement other than iodine, we'll get to iodine, that I, that I recommend. People that remove
0: their gallbladder most times it's either because they're maybe eating toxic fats, but it's also because they're not eating enough fat. Is that why not most? Eating fat. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's bile salts accumulate in the, they're not used. It's just staying there. They rust, let's say in the gallbladder. Over time as they take the ox bile, then
0: you're saying that they can tolerate a little bit more fat. Hey guys, just to let you know, my carnivore cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful.
1: I don't have anybody who can't tolerate the fat. they may have occasional diary in the beginning. A lot of women... Are grossed out by fat just like women are grossed out by meat because they don't have enough hcl in their in their stomachs they've been taking antacids here for years fat is gross to some people because they've been told since they were you know since the 1960s that it's gross before society saw it as as a necessary crucial nutrient so I, yeah i, I, I
0: agree yeah. i mean i was eating two pounds a day in one sitting and that was way too much meat for me and then basically, when I split it up into two meals and had maybe a pound, one pound this work, works much better for me. And then I sit around the 70 to 80% fat. And that was what did it for me for carnivore that now I feel wonderful, I can work forever and just get a lot done. But when I was eating the two pounds with just no real added fat, and I was trying to eat it lean, but I was still eating like ribeyes, but so it's still fatty, my energy would tank and my glucose would go up into like the 130s. And so I yeah. knew it wasn't really working. But instead of just saying this diet doesn't work, I, you know, manipulated it where I had now two meals, a smaller protein, but much more higher fat. And Mm -hmm. I didn't gain weight on that. Right. So it's just I think there's this fear that if I eat too much fat, then I'm going to ruin, um, I will gain more weight when I have already 50 or 100 pounds to lose. Would you say then that loss of period or you know just really like bad hot flashes so do you think that a carnivore plus high fat is kind of the way to go to heal these things
1: oh yes i do well you were also just to go back to your previous point you're eating once a day it's much easier to bring in small amounts of fat throughout the day i i also break meals into you know what they eat during the day into four or five times a day oh, interesting. um yes so so how it depends on how hot flashes are associated with menopause, and I keep telling people, and I say it in my book, we have hot flashes when we're you know, about to take a test. Um, it's a vasomotor reaction um, related to your cortisol production. So a hot flash is stress. Um, your body can be expressing stress for all kinds of reasons over years if, it's, if you haven't had enough fat. Over many years, your adrenals may be somewhat tanked, and um, the smallest thing will set you off, and that'll give you a hot flash. Periods, menstruation, depending upon your age, um, all these hormones come from, are, are synthesized from cholesterol, going down the, um, the cascade, the hormone cascade. If you've been very stressed, you're going to send it all to cortisol, and you won't be in having enough to make progesterone and then estradiol. And then, you know, so that's really what happens there. There's a there's a, an imbalance in synthesis is what's happening. First, you need the ingredients to make the hormones, the steroid hormones, which is fat. You have to be able to break them down and you have to be sure they're not going to make stress hormones, that they're going to make hormones that will trigger menstruation.
0: When people then take like HRTs or... Um, support and make themselves pregnant. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because it sounds like we're almost in agreement where we're saying that maybe manage the cortisol stress so that you're not producing more cortisol and routing all your hormone production to make cortisol instead of everything else. Can you talk a little bit about why all these exogenous hormones, um, you know, fertility stuff is maybe not as beneficial for you?
1: So HRT is, and bioidentical hormones, they're synthetic. Yeah. Um, It's not going to ever be good for you because you're taking in a cholesterol, you know, you're taking in a steroid that your body doesn't know what to do with. We don't want to put toxins in our body. These are toxins. If we make them from fat, if we can make them from fat, we have the ability to make them from fat. It may be, the synthesis may be, you know, imbalanced. It may not be as effective, but that's why they're there. They're there for us to make them from fat. If you're unable to be patient to, to to wait for that change to happen, that healing to happen, as it were, then you may want to take um, HRT. But it—I mean, there are people. I mean, Michael Fox in in um, in Florida uses a ketogenic diet, high fat. I mean, I hope it's a high, very high fat diet with his fertility treatments. We know that PCOS improves with the ketogenic diet, high fat, because you're lowering insulin. We know that all of the, um, you know, all of the ail- the illnesses that women have regarding overproduction, underproduction, these benefit from a high-fat diet. HRT is not going to be good for you ever. If you do have an, a case where you absolutely want to take it for that time, then there really isn't anything to do about it. If you're 36, I have patients who come to me and they want to have babies when they're 36, but they have been eating low-fat isocaloric for 15 years. I don't know that the high fat diet for six months is going to fix it in time. So that's why I say it's, it's kind of a loaded discussion. There may be a choice that you have to make. We would end that's why I'm writing the next book about adolescents because we would want our daughters to be able to understand that for so many other reasons other than fertility, they need to eat a meat based high fat diet from there on, from when when most girls stop eating fat and stop eating meat in the adolescence. So yeah, it's important for the rest of your life. But no, HRT does not give us anything other than this possibility. It's a hack. It's a hack. And there are a lot of side effects to hack. There are many side effects to every single medication. And I go into each one in my book, but this is yeah, that's a hack. And if you need the hack, that's one thing, but it's not something that um, beyond that will benefit you in any way. Definitely not for menopause.
0: So I know that like one's made from yams, but you know, they are still processed in labs. And so they're not truly natural, um, but yeah.
1: Yams are not, they're not ours. They're not made from our cholesterol. It doesn't matter if it's not, uh, you know, 50 million component molecule with a, with a uh, brand, you know, each, each, um, ast- each HRT as an added molecule because so they can put their little brand on it so they can sell it as a, as a pharmaceutical. Otherwise it would just be natural. Oh, but natural, but it would not be, it wouldn't have their trademark on it. So they wouldn't be able to sell it pharmaceutical companies. So each one, that's another synthetic thing, that extra molecule that they've added to this uh, steroid hormone is something even, you know, even less natural.
0: Let me uh, step back and ask you a question that you just brought up because I know I sure, someone's going to ask this, but you mentioned that if you can't tolerate fat to have maybe four to five meals, I think a lot of people that come to a meat based diet think that, hey, I'm trying to reduce my insulin. And so if I eat four to five times a day, that's kind of back to the standard American diet. And it's back to you know, the glucose insulin. And so I know, but I just want to clarify, so that it's not, um, you know, spiking insulin. And if you can kind of talk about why it's not, you know, doing that roller coaster on a high fat diet.
1: Yeah, well, the fat is not going to spike insulin, and um, since you're eating mostly fat three times to one, fat to protein, you're not going to spike insulin. I mean, my patients stay between 70s and 80s eating this way throughout the day. A two-pound ribeye is going to be much more protein, and that could possibly, you know, I, I know that they're trying to hack their metabolism by eating one time a day, so get, you know, uh, run out of glycogen and make sure that your the, the, the food that you eat doesn't turn into glucose as easily as it were if you were eating it, uh, I don't know, more times during the day. I think that we see cortisol going up anyway because people are hungry. I don't think I could ever eat one time a day because I'm very active. I'm working, I exercise, and I don't think I could do that, me personally. And I also find that most of my patients have active lives and i don't think they can do that personally i think it's easier for men who are athletic perhaps but um but not for women yeah so breaking it down is not the the standard american diet is high carb um and high trans fat and high it's not you're not going back to the standard american diet by by eating several times a day if you're eating mostly fat and a moderate amount of protein
0: yeah and i agree and i think Um, Just from a digestive point of view, too, if you consume all your nutrients in one sitting that you one risk, is your digestive health good enough to break down all the food and be able to absorb all the nutrients? And it's just a very large amount to consume in one sitting that it can be a tax on the digestive process. So and like you said, if, if you haven't been using your gallbladder as much over the years, then it can also be a tax. And so I think it's smart to say, maybe you start four to five meals, um, you know, while you're transitioning to higher fat. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Actually, one question I had was in terms of hypothyroid. So why why is it that, you know, lately, there is so much hypothyroid diagnosis and, you know, low thyroid what um, would a carnivore diet kind of can it reverse
1: you even being hypothyroid? To some extent, I mean, if we look at uh, if you look at the literature hypothyroidism has exploded since the 80s and that's kind of when we stopped eating fat um 60s 70s is when ansel keys was on the cover of time in 58 1984 they had that cover with the uh the sad face the eggs and the bacon so it's skyrocketed for sure um there are many more there are other other elements not just carb that create hypothyroidism um lack of iodine there's many more of i don't remember exactly right now when they started using bromide instead of iodine in in flowers in the u.s and also the rest of the world Uh, these are halides that interfere with iodine absorption fluoride interferes with iodine absorption Xenoestrogen creams uh, phthalates pesticides all these things interfere with iodine absorption and the thyroid hormones are made out of iodine molecules so if you can't absorb the iodine it's not in the ground anymore because the pesticides have knocked it out. It's not, where are you going to get it? We used to just get it from the ground. There are many goitrogenic areas uh, in Appalachia where my family's from in the south. All of my relatives, all the women are had some form of hypothyroidism. There are so many places that don't have enough iodine. And the RDA is so low that nobody's getting enough iodine and this is really important, Uh, stress, adrenal stress impacts thyroid function because the adrenals and the thyroid gland work together. So, yes, it's kind of a perfect storm to create hypothyroidism. Hypo, I say hypo because hyper, in my my mind, is a variation of hypo because anybody who's hyper, they don't have the thyroid taken out, they're going to end up being hypo because they're going to...
0: Right, right. So, do you actually recommend then that um, people take the iodine drops every day, and just like everyone, or is it just people that are you know struggling with their thyroid health?
1: Well, we need iodine for our breast tissue, for our ovarian tissue, uh, uterine tissue. We need iodine for everything. I, when I have a patient who has any kind of hyperplasia, I'm going to put her on iodine. I do recommend that most people take. Iodine drops, Lugol's iodine, which is certain. You know, it's not potassium iodide. Um, yeah, every day, and because we can't get it from our food anymore. And I also think that um, hypothyroidism is just not diagnosed as easily it used to be, is easily because there's more of it, and the diagnosis is harder to reach because of uh, since TSH was was discovered in uh, the 70s, everything is geared toward TSH results instead of t3 and t4 which is that's what they used to do until 74 they would do t3 t4 free t3 t4 and and then now they just do tsh autoimmune conditions are on the rise absolutely um hashimoto's is the most common thyroid disease there right. is right now most of my women most of my women patients have either hashimoto's or they have sorogens or they have another form of autoimmune uh, I say condition I really like to use the word disease and um, if you have one you're going to have the other so it's called schmidt's syndrome. but if the body is attacking itself somewhere else it's going to do it somewhere else
0: right. so
1: thyroid disease uh, any kind of autoimmune condition kind of you have to be aware of looking for others and since thyroid hormone is the mother hormone I like to treat that first and then the other ones kind of fall into place
0: how many drops of the um, Lugol's do you normally recommend? Or is it kind of bio-individual?
1: It's, but yeah, it's different. I mean, I have a, the minimum, I think, would be, and now it's hard in the U.S., you can't get 15% anymore. They only sell 2 and right. and five percent but I would say 2 drops. and I mean, that's what I take. Okay.
0: And you think that to, again, just um, kind of start healing this hypothyroid, hyperthyroid, it's really just eating a meat-based high-fat diet, and that can support a lot of it?
1: Yeah, because you're getting the thyroid needs, these essential elements. It needs these things. It doesn't need carbs. It needs zinc. It needs iron. They've seen that uh, supplementing with iron helped supplementing, uh, helped the thyroid. So usually there's an iron, iron and iodine combination. Where is iron? It's in beef. Um, where is, you know, they, there's just no, uh, vitamin D is crucial. Vitamin D, you get from fat hormone from uh, fat soluble, you know, from fat, fat soluble hormones. So you get it from butter, you get it from tallow, you get it from egg yolk. The thyroid needs all these elements. And if they're in your diet without having absorption prevented by fiber, lectins, you know, phytic acid, these things that interfere with the absorption of these essential nutrients, you're going to be sure more sure to give your thyroid what it needs to make these hormones. Um, and you want to reduce inflammation. Gut health, as you mentioned, is crucial for reducing um, autoimmunity. So yeah, that definitely helps your thyroid function.
0: One question I actually do get from some of my clients is so they'll try the high fat and they say that their energy actually tanks a little bit more. So what, what are your thoughts on that? So they will just they will start decreasing the protein so that they're not in diabetic numbers. So they're maybe eating a you know kind of normal sized amount of meat, and then they'll try to do the seventy percent fat eighty. And let's say they can tolerate it, but at least initially they say, "I feel much more tired after."
1: Well, we know the body needs a lot of energy to heal. So I usually ask people to be patient because if you've been ramped up in a cortisol. Adrenaline in state for decades, and all of a sudden your body gets the nutrients it needs to heal, it's going to just stop. It's going to, you know, like when you're sick, you want to crawl into bed and you want to rest. That's really, you need to give your body a chance to heal, and it takes time. And you can't expect it to be. We know the transition sometimes lasts several months. I don't think that you're going to feel bad for several months, but if you don't give your body that time to heal, you're not, we used to, I mean, when I was sick, I'm never sick anymore. My mother used to keep me home from school because I had to heal. I had to get better. I couldn't, once the fever was down, I wasn't sent back to school right away.
0: Right, right. Let's shift gears and talk a little bit about menopause. So, what is it? You know, we, people, it, it's almost like a bad word now. It's, oh, like, oh, I have to go through that menopause, that period of hot flashes and um, excessive hunger and waking. And it's just this, you know, this period that I think almost women dread going through. So if you can kind of just talk about what is it, you know, why do we go through it in such a negative way? And, and then, you know, so many people take the medications or the exogenous hormones, but you know, how do we best support ourselves naturally?
1: Okay. Well, menopause is actually this wonderful thing we evolved to do. Um, I like to talk about, uh, well, Kristen Hawks is an evolutionary anthropologist who coined the term fitness advantage and um she also postulated the theory of the grandmother hypothesis the women we uh, primates die they they are fertile until they die we instead are fertile for a period of time and then we live another 50 years and that's so that we can help our grandchildren help our daughters ensure that um, the family has an accumulation of food i was happy to see that thing the other day and i think in national geographic they discovered this uh Female hunter gatherer. but There had been female, I know, female hunters rather, right? So we women, even in Kristen Hawkes talks about the women being gatherers. I was, I would have been a hunter. So um, orcas, pilot whales are the only other mammals that go into menopause, and orcas and pilot whales guide the young males to to the hunting grounds. Okay. Women's or women are a repository of information of either knowing about plants, where to go, where to hunt. And we live a long life. We're not supposed to um, be decrepit and fall apart. So these symptoms are really um, due to what we talked about before. Overtraining, not eating. Uh, The people who feel the worst are the ones who have thought they were healthy and thin all their lives. But why? How How did they, what did they do to get that? You know, maybe they were not treating their adrenals properly, their thyroid properly. So it's... I see it, menopause is this wonderful thing that we should not fear. It's very sad that, and that's what the book is about, how medicine, which has been dominated by male from the beginning, turned menopause into an illness. And they don't say after the, you know, the sec, uh, second wave of feminism, they stopped saying it was an illness. They kind of backtracked a little bit and it became a condition. But it's always a condition that it has to be treated with pharmaceuticals. And every single pharmaceutical, there are side effects, and you don't, you don't need them because you're, again, you're hacking your body by putting something in it to change a natural response, a natural expression of, of, uh, of a deficiency, a, a nutritional deficiency in your body. And again, I treat it with the same diet, high fat, moderate protein. I address, um, I address stress, I address some lifestyle, lifestyle changes, but mostly it's the diet.
0: So do you actually see women go through menopause without the hot flashes then and, you know, the weight gain and all the, you know, all the common symptoms that women seem to go through um,
1: during? Um, Well, yeah, because you have to address it. They're going to come to me and they're going to have the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So they already have the symptoms because they're going through it. I think that waking up in the night is so it's, I mean, it's a sympathetic nervous system. It has nothing to do with hormones. We wake up, maybe there's a change that's going on in the diet. Maybe the diet, the change in the diet is bringing up, I like to call carb eating, you know, they used to call hypoglycemia the great disguise or the ma- the great mask because so many things, hypoglycemia has so many symptoms of all these other illnesses. And if you take away the carbs, you're, you were ramped up uh, using adrenaline by living off these carbs. And when you take them away, there's a lot of stuff that may be left over that you have to address. Mm-hmm. So that's really what we're talking about. We're changing our diet, We're addressing these hormonal imbalances that were created by a high-carb, high-stress lifestyle.
0: Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense because when we go to a meat-based diet, I think people initially feel really well because they remove a lot of trigger foods and toxic foods, but then over time they start feeling, especially the hormonal part, if they're not kind of eating the higher fat, they start feeling a little bit back regressing almost, right? And so then they think maybe it was because we removed carbs, but I think they're just that much closer to root cause healing. Like you're saying that if they maybe just add some more fat, they can even heal further. And I just don't know if most women are eating enough fat on a meat based diet, because again, that fear is still there, even though now they believe in meat. but maybe it's not enough meat, which then actually makes me consider if we're trying to eat, like how our, you know, people did years and decades and generations ago, why are we having to add excess fat? If,
1: medicine. it's medicine, it's medicine, we used to go when we, I so the one meal a a day thing, I think that we definitely, when we had an animal, and we were able to, you know, slaughter it and eat it, I think that we ate a lot at one time, but but I also think we nibbled, we took things away, we nibbled on things, I don't think we always just stuffed ourselves, and then didn't eat for two days, I think that people had little bags of leather, and they put stuff in it, and they ate it, you know, they didn't just uh, eat one time a day, and I think that we didn't add butter to our food when say, I, I tell people to do uh 10, years ago but now we're making up for decades of not eating that way so the fat is medicine it's it, the fat adrenal glands need fat hormones are made out of fat cholesterol um the whole process i, I always tell people they're putting out fires you got to put out all these fires with the fat and once the fires are out And your hormones are working properly. The steroid synthesis is working well. Um, The adrenals have rested because that's what you need them to do. They've been uh, pumping out of this cortisol for years. They need fat. They need um, cholesterol in order to make the hormones. They actually need cholesterol to transport. It's the only tissue that needs cholesterol to transport um, hormones out. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really just medicine. It's not that we're doing something strange by it's definitely not how we ate 2000 years ago by adding butter, but we're not 2000 years ago. We're making up for damage that we created for the women. So let's say, you know, they are healing
0: their, um, their hormones, but the biggest thing they still struggle with is being able to sleep through the night. Right. So they are still waking up multiple times. I still think it's cortisol related and maybe they just need to fix some of the lifestyle, but you know, how do you help somebody kind of sleep through the night and, you know, get restful sleep on a meat-based
1: diet. Okay, so i work a lot with the circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm, if it's out of whack, you know, when people do their salivary cortisol tests, they're gonna see what time of the day the cortisol is too high, too low, and you can address that. But if you're waking up, either your cortisol is too high or it's too low. If it's too low, it's a blood sugar issue and you wake up because you're hungry. If it's too high, you can't go to sleep because you're wired. Um, as an osteopath, I study a lot of the sympathetic and parasympathetic to try to bridge the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. And interestingly enough, you can you can tone down sympathetic tone, you can reduce sympathetic tone, which is what creates this keyed up, wired but tired state, because all your you know your adrenaline is, receptors are firing like crazy by increasing parasympathetic tone. And you can do that by eating. I use again, you can eat. If people wake up, are they hungry? Do they need to calm down? What's the best way to calm down? You eat something. Mm. And people are taught don't eat after dinner, don't eat it you know but what if you eat a piece of uh, you know, a piece of ham with a piece of butter or a tiny hamburger with it's, it's an ounce or something with some bacon fat on it and if you go right to sleep, what's wrong with that?
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I have a couple clients that actually do that. So they have a very high fat snack right before bed, and then they actually sleep really um, a lot better through the night. Then why is it that some people then when they're just fed up with the days of lack of sleep that they just say, forget it, I'm just going to add in some carbs, and then they do and then they knock out in the middle of the night. And so they're like, see, I and then they get eight hours, nine hours. Maybe it's um, maybe if we were to measure REM and deep sleep and all that stuff, it's not as good. But for them, it's like, look, I slept eight hours through the night just adding some carbs. And therefore, carbs is the answer. Like, why does that first happen when we
1: start? I don't know. It doesn't work for, you know, my patients. So I don't know. Um, I think they hear it. I think that they want to try it. I think that carbs, maybe that's carbs are very fast energy maybe their energy requirement that they have at that time is they need immediate quick energy and somehow that changes the sympathetic tone. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We, we'd we'd be nice to see what their, you know, CGM was saying at that time, their uh, continuous glucose monitor was saying at that time. But if that's the only, if you're eating 20 grams of carb in order to sleep at night, yeah, that's okay. I mean, if you're not eating all the rest of the day, I don't think you have to be so, so dogmatic about you know i'm carnivore and i only eat i mean think if you're 90 percent carnivore and you eat i don't know that's not even a lot 10 grams of carb at night to sleep if it works for you go ahead i can't tell you right now the and no it involves adrenaline and adrenals and circadian rhythm that's the science behind it but until we figure it out you know, eat the 10 gram carbs.
0: No, um, I know one thing, because there's an article that actually saw of, you know, why that can actually happen. And I haven't just had the time to look at it. But I know that one thing is, you know, we need enough serotonin to even balance melatonin to be um, and GABA, I'm forgetting, but basically all of those need proper gut health and sufficient amounts of meat and fat to even be produced and then produce enough melatonin, which then will help you to be in that kind of sleep state. So it can even be gut related. It could be that you're just not again eating enough meat and fat.
1: So it's probably the GABA too, because the GABA, you know, the GABA glutamic acid is yes. you know one, one one keys you up and one calms you down. And yeah, maybe GABA does eating something that's carb does um, you know enable the GABA make the GABA production better at that time. But I'm yeah, I, I just don't know that the whole, you know, serotonin, I don't really buy that serotonin improves with carb levels. So, you know,
0: yeah, no, I'm not not saying that I'm saying that serotonin, um, you actually would produce better. Serotonin is better supported by consuming foods that have tryptophan, which is uh, an amino acid. So it's in meats, omega threes, which is in fish and, you know, other um, even like in meat. And then what was the other one and and it's other b vitamins so it's all these things that kind of support serotonin i'm not saying that it's serotonin from carbs because the carb sources are really high in fructose like pineapples or it's in nuts which are you know gut damaging anyway so i would never say to get your serotonin from um from, um, from like soy and stuff like that. What, what are some of like, as, if someone were to take away anything from this video, you know, what have you really seen tremendous healing with your clients? Um, whether it's diet, lifestyle changes, like what is a tip that
1: people can take away? I think definitely diet. Um, that's really what I use. my I, I used to use supplements. I used to use, I mean, I'm still an osteopath. I can, I treat and I get great, uh, feedback on that, but I, Diet is the most powerful, it really is the best medicine. And it's because you're turning things off and improving other things and the whole feedback mechanism is just, um, you reduce inflammation. I think if you reduce inflammation, it's so much faster, healing is so much faster and the benefits are so much greater. So that's definitely what I, I mean, if someone is, uh, my husband used to be a bicycle racer, he doesn't race anymore, but he, he rides with a lot of people who are constantly pushing themselves um, you know, in athletics. And I think the only lifestyle um, change that I, I suggest is to stop over-exercising. I used to be martial. I mean, I'm a martial artist still. I used to fight. I used to do combat. I used to do tournaments. And my adrenals were shot from that. They, the the stress that that caused me was just devastating. And now I like to work out on my own without having to do this this high-amped, revved-up kind of workout. So I I also suggest that, to just tone that down. Because... People are trying to hit marks. They're trying to either lose weight or they're trying to be competitive with someone else who's following the other that same thing. And you just get you forget why you're doing it. You should be exercising for agility. We don't we don't lose weight by exercising. We get agile, we have muscle tone. We don't I like to say I don't break when I fall. My muscles are important for that. They support my bones, um, their metabolic tissue, but I don't exercise to you know, to win a tournament, to, to, to prove to somebody else that I can go faster or harder. That's when you run into trouble.
0: I completely agree. I've seen a lot of people even in my uh, my practice that basically they overexercise and it's affecting their adrenals. You know, One thing I forgot to ask you is um, there are people that um, are also on a meat-based diet and their biggest struggle is balancing electrolytes. I know the more I study about the sodium-potassium pump in that relationship and how adrenals kind of you know, impact that as well. So they may retain more water because they are more stressed. And therefore, that's why they might be holding on to some of the weight. Have you seen any electrolyte imbalances with your clients? Um, How do you kind of remedy people that seem to keep saying, well, this diet must not work, because the fact that I have to always manage my electrolytes is a sign that this diet is, you know, not ideal?
1: Yeah, well, I find that um, people who usually start, they lose they lose water weight because, and so they're, so that is their electrolytes are. Um, I do tell people to salt to taste. Um, then people may have cramps in the night, but it's difficult for me because a lot of my people have thyroid issues. My patients have thyroid issues, so they may have. We know that um, you know the back of your leg, the soleus muscle and the gastrocnemius muscle cramp when you have adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also happens with thyroid, low thyroid. So it's really hard because they work together so close, it's hard to know which is which. So we know that meat has sodium and, and potassium. Um, I might try adding salt, lowering salt, adding a small amount of potassium, it, just sort of experimentation because, it, as you said, it can't just, it, I mean, it isn't the. I don't believe it's the diet. I usually believe that once they're eating this way, Things that would become um, balanced may not because of stress components or a deficiency in cortisol that isn't going up at the right time. It often rests, you know, rest of the leg. It's in the night. Cramps are usually in the night. That's usually when your circadian rhythm is involved. It's cortisol mediated. So it's, it's complicated. It definitely is.
0: Can you talk a little bit about your book, you know, what it's, what is it about, you know, who is it for and where can people get it?
1: Okay. Well, it's available on Amazon and, um, it's in Italian and in English and it's on all the Amazons. So it's called good fat is good for menopause. Good fat is good for women. Menopause, sorry. It's a three part series. I'm part of a three part series. the first one of dressing dietary fat for women, how important it is for women's health. The next one will be on adolescence and then I'll do fertility. But this book basically explains what menopause is, how it's been viewed by medicine through history, and um, how medicine has chosen to address it. And then I go into each and every pharmaceutical that's addressed, that um, is prescribed to women to remedy menopausal symptoms. And then I go through all the symptoms that are associated with menopause and explain how changing the diet will actually be the remedy that they're looking for.
0: That is awesome. I am definitely going to get that. What about for like the younger women that are not in menopause? Can that book also support them as well?
1: Absolutely, because it goes over what we talked about. It goes about diet, how fat is important, and protein is important for uh, women's health at all ages. When I talk about adolescence, I'm really talking about I have two daughters, and all their friends have dabbled in veganism, and they've been avoiding fat, and they're on antidepressants. Many, many young women are on antidepressants. In Italy it's almost de rigueur to if a girl comes in with any form of depression, she's gonna be prescribed an antidepressant or a benzodiazepine. Right. So it's really important for me to reach these young women and they'll definitely get the idea and get the gist of it by reading the book that is about menopause because menopause now starts younger and younger. Perimenopause was invented in the nineteen eighties. Doesn't it's not a medical condition, as neither is uh, menopause, and women are having symptoms in their thirties.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I will share all the links in the book. In terms of your clients, do you see people virtually, or do you just see p- your you know patients in Italy, or do you also do
1: virtual? Oh no, I do online consultations oh, okay. all over the world. I speak several languages. I speak French, German i uh, mandarin chinese um and uh, italian obviously in english and i have a studio here it's been open and closed because of the lockdown but i do have a physical studio i do treatments but no i do a very complete um online consultation oh perfect so if you can just share you know
0: where people can find you your website and i'll also again put everything in the notes as well sure, sure.
1: um Eliz- Elizbright.com is my website, www.lizbright.com. I have a couple of Facebook pages uh, in Italian, but everything's translated from English anyway, because most science is in English. And that's a Liz Bright. And um, I have an Instagram handle, a Liz Bright body, body. I live in the south of Italy. So if you're ever in body, you can uh, find me in person. And then your
0: website has the contact information if someone wanted to work with that's- you? Okay, perfect. Yeah, it does. it does. Okay. So yes, I will, you know, this has been incredible. I am really really glad I've talked with you. I you know, for over 6 months now people are getting scared about carbs and hormone health and this I think will clarify for so many women that are staying on carnivore that are still struggling with, you know, what is going on with my hormones and so I am so appreciative of your knowledge and wisdom and just bringing you know, just sound information and advice to um, the community. So thank you for this. And I will share and hopefully we can, you know, just get women to finally heal properly.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And that's why hormones are crucial to our well being. Yeah, so important.
0: Okay, well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much again. And thanks for um, just joining me today. All right, thanks. Judy. Bye. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. Please make sure to subscribe, hit the bell and this allows me to provide you guys more free content. Okay, guys, you know the drill, make sure to eat a lot of meat, eat a lot of fat, and take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. All right, guys, I will talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast.